0: In this week's episode, I speak with Tamara Lillian of Canna Lily Consulting. Tamara is a cannabis sommelier, educator, consultant, and curator, and she really knows her stuff. We get into some pretty interesting topics, including why the distinction of indica and sativa that we all know so well is probably the wrong way to be classifying cannabis. We get into that and a whole lot more I met Tamara about a year ago, and I was blown away by her depth of knowledge, and you're going to learn something in this episode today, I guarantee it. Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles, where I help you take control of your high life. I'm your host, Marge. Thank you for being here today. If you're just joining us for the first time, this is a great episode to dive right in. And if you've been here for a while, thanks again for following along. You're going to enjoy this episode. So without any more of my talk, let's get right into it. Let's do it. All right. Hi, Tamara. Uh, Welcome to Bite Me, the show about edibles. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm great. That's wonderful. I'm so glad you took the time to be with me here today. And I was just hoping before we get into the nitty gritty of everything, if you could tell us a little, bit about, a little bit about yourself and Canna
1: Lily Consulting. Of course. So hi, everyone. My name is Tamara Lillian. I am a cannabis sommelier, educator, curator, and consultant. And my company is called Canna Lily Consulting. Through the company, I offer everything from bud tender training educational lecture lectures workshops and presentations i do a lot of cannabis quality assessment and curation and i'm actually one of a lot's cannabis curators so in one of my positions i'm paid to smoke and evaluate cannabis so that's quite a treat i also do a lot of brand development and representation implementation into market and then of course all kinds of sensory sessions and experiences to do with cannabis appreciation, team building, getting hands-on with cannabis and everything under the sun of that nature.
0: So basically you have every weed person's dream job from the sounds of it. Is getting paid to smoke weed for one. And I knew I knew that you were a cannabis sommelier, which is what the reason I wanted to have you on today, because There's so many new things being discovered about cannabis these days, and it's becoming way more mainstream, obviously, especially in Canada, because of legalization. People have so much more access than they did before. I work in a dispensary by day when I'm not doing this podcast, Mm -hmm. and the first thing people do when they come in is they're often asked, sativa or indica, which do you prefer? And I'm beginning to learn now that these distinctions are maybe correct very generally, but overall don't necessarily accurately describe what people are going to be smoking. Can you talk about that a little bit?
1: Of course. And uh, you raise a really important point about the way that consumers are curating their cannabis for personal use. So, uh, you know, in the current sector, we're using the terms indica and sativa to describe the effects experience. Mm -hmm. However, the data shows that indica and sativa really only describe the way the plant grows and common characteristics that it might exhibit. However, it does not necessarily equate to the experience you're going to have. So a common expression out there is indica equals indi-couch. Mm-hmm. So, the thought is, oh, any indica is going to be highly sedative in nature and it's going to produce this really kind of calming and, uh, you know, lethargic type effect. But what anecdotal evidence shows, and there's an enormous amount of it, is that the actual cannabinoid ratios and the terpene profile will allow for the effects experience, and it will be different across individuals. So the growth pattern has implications for what compounds are present in the cannabis, and that in turn has implications for the effects experience. However, it's highly discouraged to make generalizations oh excuse me to make generalizations in this um, field because it is so highly individualized-hmm
0: and that makes a lot of sense to me because I see people coming into the store and what one person loves the next person hates I see that all the time and I do tend to lean typically towards sativas but I have enjoyed several of those that were probably on me acting more like a people would think of as an indica. So that makes a lot of sense to me. But when somebody's coming into a store like that, then how is it best to to direct them if they don't know much about cannabis beyond indica sativa classifications?
1: So I think that really depends on the type of consumer that you're speaking to, and their Mm -hmm. level of experience. Mm -hmm. So what I would suggest is, you know, the question might be something like, do you know the smells and tastes of cannabis that produce the effects you're looking for? Right, That might be one way to start the conversation. And the second uh, thing to note is that evidence shows that higher THC does not necessarily equate to a more intense intoxication experience. So it's actually the conflagration of all of the components of cannabis working synergistically that's going to allow for the effects experience. So uh, let's say, um, you know, 17% THC might affect you the way that 25% THC affects me. And, you know, there's equally someone else that'll have a totally unique experience. And that's a a product of their unique endocannabinoid system and how they are ingesting the cannabis, their experience, their gender, their body mass, and so much more.
0: Right. And that totally makes sense to me because recently I picked up something from our store that was 25% and a coworker was raving about it. And I just didn't feel like I got that high from it, mm-hmm. which surprises me because I don't consider myself a heavy smoker by any means. In fact, before I started working at the store, uh, I was pretty much e- only eating edibles oh, yeah. and hardly ever smoking. Like I would smoke like twice a year or whatever. So obviously mm-hmm. I got into the store and started to experiment more, but sure. I ex- you would expect that a 25% um, cannabis would get me really, really high and it just didn't. And exactly. I, that surprised me. But yeah, and I've found that a few times. And then I would go smoke one of my favorite strains that was like 17 or 18. And the effects were a lot stronger. So, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. But it does make it very difficult for the consumer coming in who may not have the answers, like what smells
1: and tastes that they like. Exactly. And so this is what I like to tell people. Mm-hmm. When you first started drinking alcohol, hmm I bet you didn't know how much alcohol you needed to get drunk. Mm-hmm. And I bet you didn't know whether you liked beer or hard liquor or wine. And then let's say you discovered that you liked wine. Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't know whether you liked a white or a red or rosé. And mm-hmm. then when you discovered that you liked a white, did you like a Riesling or did you like a Gewürztraminer? And how mm-hmm. did you discover that? Well, it was your own personal experience trying things and seeing what works for you we've all had an experience of quote-unquote worshiping the porcelain gods you know (laughs) so yes i do all too well (laughs) and the more times we over-ingest, that's how we learn where our limit is. And Mm -hmm. it's not to say that I'm suggesting over-ingesting cannabis, but the same is true in terms of embarking on a new journey of Mm self-discovery. And the more you can hone in, On learning about the particular terpene profile and cannabinoid ratio that's going to work for you in any number of circumstances, the better able you'll be to meet your own needs, be they medical or recreational in nature.
0: Right. And that makes so much sense, because obviously you ask one person what kind of beer they like, and then you ask the next person, or you ask five people, you're going to get five different answers. Exactly. So it stands to reason the same would apply to this, because we're also individual. Um, you mentioned just a second ago, the cannabinoid ratio. Mm-hmm. So is that the ratio of like the makeup percentage-wise of the terpenes in the cannabis? Is that what you're referring to?
1: So I'm just going to take a step back and talk Mm -hmm. about a part of the plant, and then I'm going to unpack it further. So the sticky part, the sticky resinous gland on cannabis is called a trichome. Mm -hmm. And inside that resin, we find all the good parts, all the best parts of the cannabis. So mm-hmm. we've got the cannabinoids and the terpenes. Okay. And so these are both different molecules that are coexisting in this little resinous mass. So the cannabinoids. Are things like THC, CBD, CBG? There are a number of cannabinoids, even ones we haven't yet discovered. It Mm -hmm. just so happens that currently the focus is on THC, which Mm -hmm. is the psychoactive cannabinoid that produces an intoxicating effect, and CBD which is also psychoactive, but it does not produce an intoxication experience. Mm-hmm. So those are the cannabinoids right. versus the terpenes, which provide the unique smells and tastes of the cannabis, but they also contribute to the overall effects experience. And mm-hmm. I like to equate terpenes to Everyday smells in our lives. If you've ever walked into a store, let's say, and there's a particular smell, and all of a sudden you're taken back to your grandmother's house when you were a kid. So that smell is actually linked to processes in our brain that elicit certain sensations. So when we have this intermingling of the cannabinoids and the terpenes, we are going to experience one overall effect that's from a combination of those things working in concert.
0: Right. Okay. So the, the cannabinoid ratio, which of course makes sense when you say it's the THC and the CBD and the terpenes are kind of two separate things, but they're working synergistically together to produce the effects that you're hopefully looking for.
1: Exactly. And so terpenes make up the smells and tastes and they're used in perfume. They're, you know, that's kind of the whole field of aromatherapy involved, Mm -hmm. the use of terpenes to elicit various effects experiences. It just so happens that with cannabis, we're ingesting those terpenes.
0: Right. Yes, we're consuming them. Mm -hmm. So I have found, I don't know about you, but I found that I need to write some of this stuff down. Like when I'm experimenting with different cultivars from the store, I like to Mm -hmm. take notes because otherwise give me a week or two and I've completely forgotten what it was like, (laughs) which then doesn't help me make any recommendations, but I have found that taking notes about the terpene profile and how I smoked it and just how I felt after I enjoyed it has really helped me a lot to find out, get closer to know what I like, I guess. Um, I use something called the Goldleaf Cannabis Taster Journal. I don't know if you ever heard mm-hmm. of Goldleaf. Oh, yes. Very familiar uh, with that. And they make beautiful journals. So I really they like do. to use those ones. It keeps me pretty organized, and I love how they have an index in it as well, so I can mm-hmm. refer back. Um, how do you like to keep notes? I mean, you've probably been smoking longer than I have, but do you have any kind of method or system that you like to use to sort of hone your your particular tastes?
1: So, great question and first of all I do want to kind of give you kudos because uh you know that's a great first step to be doing your own journaling and uh given that the number of cultivars of cannabis out there is very large and only growing you mm-hmm. know every day it's it makes it a lot easier to record as much information you can to be able to you know inform your decision making. Mhm. I don't use a particular brand of journal per se, but I do have what I call my little black book of cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I write reviews in there. I write notes. There are a couple kind of ratings, I'll say, that I do when I am assessing cannabis for my own personal needs. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from there, I'm thinking about, you know, did I experience the effect that I was looking for? Did it last as long as I wanted it to last? What was the onset like? Um, You know, was it a pleasurable smoking experience? Would I maybe have enjoyed it a different method, like vaporizing, for example, or maybe would I enjoy trying to squish the cannabis and make it into rosin and then Mm -hmm. doubting that. So, you know, unpacking the best modality of ingestion is also a piece of the puzzle. But I think, you know, the big takeaway here is that the more you can hone in on the ratio that works for you And the particular smells and tastes that elicit the most, um, you know, sought after or pleasurable effects experience, you know, the better able, like I say, you can meet your own needs. And,
0: Mm -hmm. and, you
1: know, there's less kind of wasting money and guessing and purchasing products that uh, aren't going to do so. So
0: then eventually a more savvy consumer, once they start to learn this, this information for themselves can go in and ask for strains that are high in certain terpenes, as opposed to just looking for something with a high THC content, which is what I see over and over and over again, people coming in being like, what's your, what's your best indica in the highest percentage, Mm -hmm. I hear that like every single day but ideally someone would learn over time that say pinene is one that they really enjoy and it gives them the effects that they like and the onset and duration and -hmm. so they're going to look for strains whether indica or sativa that are high in pinene
1: exactly correct so you know it's about finding the ratio that works for you and then whittling down which smells and tastes you like the most and Mm -hmm. you know it's not a guarantee that when you shop, you'll be able to get the information you need. So, you know, it's good to do some research. And if you find, oh, you know, you love a, a limonene heavy strain because uh, you know it makes you feel really uplifted and let's say uh, you get creative and you feel really you're almost hyper and you like you like that sensation so you know you might do some research online and say okay which cultivars or which strains are high in limonene and okay so you find those ones and then your next question is okay well what are the ratios okay, well, everyone always told me that I need higher THC because that equals a, a more intense high, but maybe that's actually not what I need. And maybe the limonene is more responsible for the effects experience I'm looking for than the actual cannabinoids. And maybe mm-hmm. I want to mute the cannabinoids a little bit and have stronger terpenes. Because if mm-hmm. you think about it, in, those, in these little resinous glands, there's only so much room. So Mm -hmm. the more cannabinoids you have, the less space there is for terpenes and Mm -hmm. vice versa is also true. So
0: in the context of a store that's, that's classifying things by indica and sativa, are there, are there any, any general truths to those at all? Like limonene tends to be uplift for a lot of people tends to be uplifting. I happen to really enjoy that terpene myself. So you do find them in a lot of, of sativas so is that sort of a a generality that still might hold some basis in truth or is it still way off?
1: So it does. So the reason why these terms have been used is because of their common characteristics. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about an indica, they tend to have higher THC concentrations Mm -hmm. and their scent notes. So their terpene profiles which tend to be more like gas and pine and earth, mm-hmm. tend to elicit effects that are more conducive to the couch lock-type experience. Mm-hmm. And it's for that reason that that extrapolation was made. Right. But really, we're only talking about the way the plant grows. When we talk about indica and sativa, we're talking about a broad leaf versus a narrow leaf strain.
0: Mm-hmm. And then so
1: with sativas, we tend to see a lower THC content and scent notes that are more fruity and floral.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So okay. because of that, again, that's why those generalizations have been made. And they're mm-hmm. helpful- to a point. Mm -hmm. But imagine if a consumer goes into a store and says, I want something that's going to just knock me out. I I just, I have to sleep, please. Mm -hmm. And the clerk says, okay, this is a really heavy indica. You know, this is going to do it for you. And the Mm -hmm. person takes it home and they smoke before bed and they're wired and they're bouncing Mm -hmm. off the (laughs) wall. They're probably not going to be very happy.
0: Right. Right. Which makes sense, of course. And what one person finds heavy hitting, the next person might not. But in
1: exactly. that case, how
0: would you, how would you, as a consumer or as a, as a bud tender, I suppose, how would you direct that conversation instead to help them find what they're really looking for?
1: I would suggest that they try very small portions of mm-hmm. a couple things and begin to embark on the journey of self-discovery to curate the cannabis that's going to meet their own needs. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I like to equate it to alcohol is because it's something that everyone can relate to. And people are quick to forget that, you know, they probably tried 20 beers before they figured out which beer was their favorite. Mm -hmm. And then maybe when they did find their favorite, previously they needed five beers to get drunk and now they only need three. Well, how Mm -hmm. did they learn that? They learned from experience. Right. The trial and error. Exactly. So, you know, kind of giving yourself permission to embark on the journey, but in a safe and comfortable way. So, you know, if let's say you want cannabis for sleep, don't put so much pressure on yourself. Oh, (laughs) this has to be the one. Mm -hmm. Try it. See if it works. If it does learn about it, learn why it worked for you. If it doesn't Mm -hmm. work, go back to the drawing board and start again. That's the beauty of this. There are so many different profiles that the more you commit to learning what works for you, the more you stand to gain.
0: Right. And you are so right about so many profiles to learn too, because I mean, you walk into any legal cannabis store and in Canada, probably, and you, most people who are new to coming into the stores like that are overwhelmed by the choice because so long it was like, I went to my guy or my girl and they were like, this is what I have. Mm -hmm. And they bought it. And that was your only option. Sure. Or it was like, do you
1: want $50 or $75? Yeah,
0: exactly. And so now instead of that, they're like, you have, you know, you walk into a store and you might have dozens and dozens of choices, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden you have to pick one. And it's like walking into the vintages section at the LCBO and, sure. you know, having to decide on a bottle of wine, you know, yeah, you sensory kind of,
1: overload a bit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, as far as learning more about terpenes, what would you suggest would be a good place to start for people?
1: Well, there are lots of great resources out there. Surprisingly, uh, you know, I'm in Ontario and even Mm -hmm. the OCS, the Ontario Cannabis Store, has some decent information on their website. The other thing I would suggest is a number of the legal retail locations actually have displays where you can learn about terpenes and you can actually smell them either cannabis derived or even just botanically sourced terpenes that are made to simulate cannabis terpenes just to begin to expose your senses in your olfactory system to these different categories of scents. The other thing to do is really do it yourself. I mean, you know, go online and Google terpene wheel and you'll see a wheel with all these different colors. And what you'll notice is that each color has different foods on it. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So if we're talking about beta-caryophyllene, for example, you know, so basil, cloves, black pepper, cinnamon, oregano. If you're someone who's inclined towards those scents and you have a lot of them in your kitchen, caryophyllene might be a good terpene choice for you. So, you know, our palate is naturally inclined towards what we like. If you smell Mm -hmm. food and it doesn't smell good to you, you're probably not going to want to eat it. And maybe not
0: smoke it either. And I I really like that because it does uh, connect, like having a terpene wheel, like you mentioned, and then being able to connect that to a food that you know, Mm -hmm. makes a lot more sense and makes the, I guess the task of narrowing down which terpenes really resonate with you a lot faster than starting from scratch. Because like you said, if you don't like basil at all, you're probably going to avoid that terpene in your cannabis as well.
1: Yeah, And and the flip side would be, you know, just go through your spice cabinet, smell Mm -hmm. some of your spices and little tip here in between smelling each one, you want to smell your skin to refresh your olfactory. So that, that is the neutral smell for you, your skin, not Mm -hmm. coffee beans or another smell that just introduces another stimulant. So if you go through and, you know, let's say one day over a couple hours, you put out a bunch of spices and you start to smell them and you pick, you know, your top three or your top four, Google them Mm -hmm. and see which terpenes they are present in. Oh, excuse me. Sorry. And that will, you know, that's kind of your first step on this journey here.
0: You know what? I love that. That's sort of like a great shortcut to go straight to your spice cabinet. And most of the people who are listening to this show probably have a spice cabinet of some degree because it's a show about edibles. So they're cooking anyway. And then uh, smelling your skin between smell sessions, I guess, for lack of a better term as a palate. That's uh, that's fantastic. So I I'm probably going to be trying that myself so I can make some notes on that as well do you have any terpenes that really resonate with you or what are the ones that resonate with you? I'm sure you know already.
1: Well, to be honest, I am more inclined towards fruity and floral scented cannabis. That's just mm-hmm. my personal palate. So mm-hmm. I like limonene, linalool, even a bit of myrcene. So I will just mention myrcene is the most commonly occurring terpene in cannabis. Mm -hmm. And it is responsible for that earthy and kind of citrusy smell, kind Mm -hmm. of like forest floor. Mm -hmm. And it's also responsible for stimulating appetite and promoting lethargy. So Hmm. given that we know that that those are very common effects experiences of cannabis, it's reasonable that they would be products of, or effects, I should say, associated with this particular terpene myrcene, which Mm -hmm. is the most prevalent.
0: Mm -hmm. So if I really like to be out in the woods, I mean, going for a nice forest bathe on a beautiful day, I love that smell of of being in the woods. Would that indicate that I might be really interested in a cannabis that is high in
1: myrcene? For sure. Or you might also consider pinene. So then Mm -hmm. we're talking about like pine need needles, coniferous trees, mm-hmm. um, uh, sage is another example, or even caryophyllene where we've got some woody, kind mm-hmm. of earthy type spices.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
1: That's really connecting
0: a known to unknown. I, I like that. So folks, if you're listening and you really like being out in the woods or camping and you're that smell of the pine trees, then consider that the next time you're shopping for weed. Now, the real question that... I've been wanting to know for quite a while is about terpenes in edibles. Because mm-hmm. my my common thought for a long time was that due to processing in in creating edibles, most of the terpenes were lost. So the d- distinction, I guess, between sativa and indica, once again, is lost and also perhaps the effects that you would get from the terpenes. Is that
1: true or does it depend? So... With traditional methods, the way that the cannabis is decarboxylated, which means activated, mm-hmm. uh, for uh, you know, to so that we can actually feel an effect, traditionally the terpenes are vaporized. So it's true that we lose the terpenes and we lose all of the effects experience associated with the terpenes. So we still have the effects from the cannabinoids but we lose the terpene. So we lose the tastes and the smells and the associated effects. Mm -hmm. However, there are methods of activating your cannabis. So if you consider traditional activation, like active decarboxylation, and a less traditional method would be passive decarboxylation, which would involve activating your cannabis for a longer time at a lower heat, what you'll do is you won't vaporize off all of the terpenes, and you'll be left with some of the terpene profile remaining in your cannabis that you're preparing for an infusion.
0: So then, in that in that mind, if you're able to retain some of those those terpenes during the decarb process. For- they would still remain during the infusion process as well and then you can start to pair is that when they start to get into talking about pairing foods with
1: your your edibles exactly correct so okay. whatever terpenes remain can mm-hmm. be used for pairing and when you're use when you're creating your infusion you're also going to be using techniques that keep the temperature low so that you don't inadvertently vaporize or boil off some more mm-hmm. of the terpene.
0: So as you mentioned this, the one technique that comes to mind, because I typically just do like I decarb in my oven and then I use a magical butter machine. That's my mm-hmm. my typical process, which would probably burn off most of those, those terpenes that you're talking about. That's correct, then yeah. Maybe a sous vide method would be the way to go for your decarb and infusion process if you're wanting to explore terpenes in your in your edibles.
1: Absolutely. Highly recommended. And okay. I believe in the future you'll be talking to executive chef Brent Leach, who is yes. just an absolute Expert. He, in fact, he uh, developed an entire class for George Brown on sous vide cooking. So he is the sous vide infusion master. Well, that's but wonderful. I, I will tell you that sous vide is, or using an immersion circulator, which mm-hmm. is the the name of the tool for sous vide cooking, is a great way to uh, decarb, preserve the terpenes, and also ensure accurate and steady temperature across the entire process
0: Mm -hmm. and i've always heard wonderful things about sous vide and i have wanted to explore that on the show more i just haven't yet but it sounds like talking to brent's going to be a perfect way to kickstart some of that exploration because then you can really get into like you said pairing your infusions with the edibles that you're going to be making and i think that's uh definitely a fun thing to be experimenting with as well as
1: what i'm smoking so absolutely and you know you yeah. can also think about pairing raw cannabis with your meals as well so for example mm-hmm. you know let's say you have three very small joints and each one has been curated to complement the course that it that it precedes okay I had never so there, thought about that. Yeah. So there's all different ways that you can be pairing your cannabis. It's not necessarily pairing just in the context of making an infusion, but you could actually pair just the raw flour.
0: Right. Oh, it's so exciting. All this new stuff coming out, all the, all the new things everyone's learning. I think it's fantastic. And it's, it just makes it so fascinating.
1: It's really, uh, you know, uh, a world that we're just dipping our our toe into. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we have no idea what the future of culinary cannabis will look like. And even the future of shopping for cannabis. Mm -hmm. We're we're just a couple years into legalization. And the world is our oyster in terms of what we can accomplish in this sector.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very exciting. And I think, like you said, it, the shopping experience and the cooking experience for the home chef as well is going to look a lot different in a few years mm-hmm. as people learn more and more and in part, in large part, to people like you, Tamara, that are that are leading the charge and educating people like you are. And I think this is a good place to uh, pause. And I just want to say thank you for taking the time again to be with us today I'm going to be linking in the show notes everything we talked about and where people can find you because you know your stuff and you're incredibly knowledgeable about about all this, uh, everything to do with cannabis. And I think people will want to learn more.
1: Well, thank you. That's very kind of you. And uh, it was a pleasure being on your show. And I hope to come back sometime. Excellent. Thank you so much.
0: Wow, that was a great episode, wasn't it? I really enjoyed speaking with Tamara and bringing that conversation to you guys. So I hope you learned something new that you can take with you into the kitchen when you're making your own edibles. You'll find links to everything that we talked about in the show notes as always. And I will be linking to Tamara's website and her Instagram. So you'll be able to find her as well if you want to learn more about what she's doing that will all be there for you. And just a reminder too, that if you're ever going back and you want to find out more about any guest that has appeared on Bite Me, the show about edibles, if you go to the website, bitemepodcast.com, under the resources section, there is a section called Friends of the Podcast. And I'm putting all my guests there so you can easily find the episode associated with that guest and where to find their work out in the world. So that's in one handy spot. And Tamara is going to be um, there as well. So you can find that if you need to access that later. And speaking of the website, just a reminder the dosage calculator is live, free for you to use if you're calculating or needing to make calculations on how strong or potent your edibles are. Please use that. I had that resource made for you guys. And once again, the aprons are live. If you're interested in a Bite Me apron for the Christmas season or just for yourself, treat yourself, and you want to support the show that way, those are available over there there. Also, the subscriber giveaway is still going on by the time this comes out. All you have to do is subscribe to the Bite Me Edibles Enthusiast email newsletter, and you'll be entered to win uh, a Gold Leaf cooking journal, one of the cooking journals that I love to use myself. So all you have to do is sign up for the emails. And of course, I've mentioned this before, I only send out about one email a month because that's all I really have time to do. So I certainly don't spam you. So I encourage you to sign up for that. If you're looking for other ways to support the show beyond just listening, and believe me, listening to the show is the biggest way you can support me, of course, but there's lots of other ways you can do it as well. You can subscribe to the podcast. You get the the new episodes every week when they drop at 8 a.m., Eastern Standard Time on Thursdays. You can share these episodes with friends or family, anybody you think might enjoy them. You can leave me a five-star review and I will certainly be more than willing to read that out on the show if you do something like that. If you want to send me an email, me podcast at fastmail.com or through SpeakPipe, you can leave me a voice message and ask me questions, all that stuff. It all supports the show. And I really appreciate it any way that you can. So I think that's it for this week. There's probably some other things I've left out, but honestly, that's enough. And I really enjoyed this one. Looking forward to more fun, exciting episodes coming up. In the meanwhile, my friends, stay high.